right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast family. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. We're brought to you by Superbook Sports, and I'm not going to lie to everybody, I'm really tired. I just recorded two intros to this podcast and was extremely delirious at what I was saying, and uh, certainly not up to standard, I don't think, on this one. So please forgive me for my energy level here. I've been prepping for a move over the course of this entire weekend. Haven't been able to think about too much basketball that much. So uh, my my apartment is in shambles at this point. It is just a, it looks like a natural disaster came through here and just wrecked everything. But lots of things going into boxes, lots of things being upended so that I can move into a nicer place. And I'm really excited to do it. I would not be able to do it without all of you. So thank you so much for your love and support. It genuinely does mean the world because it genuinely does pay the bills. Uh, so that is very, very important to me, and I want to make sure that everybody knows it. All right. So as I mentioned, didn't get to spend a lot of time thinking about basketball this weekend. The Nuggets had their summer league practices begin on Saturday. Uh, I will be going to the one on Monday, tomorrow for July 4th. Uh, probably not going to podcast tomorrow night because – it's, it's going to be difficult, frankly, to uh, record a podcast when there are fireworks probably going off in every single time of day. So that is okay. We are going to move forward, and I will probably podcast again on Tuesday night to, to kind of preview Summer League, what it means for Denver, what we should be looking for. Uh, Adonis Arms is probably going to make a an appearance, or not an appearance, but uh, I'll, I'll definitely be talking about him for certain. But we're going to talk right now kind of where everything is really settled down in terms of free agency. I know that the, the Kevin Durant's and Kyrie Irving situations are really hanging over everything right now. But for the most part, the important free agents have been signed. And Denver's deal for Bruce Brown, I think, was one of the best deals of the offseason. We now get to talk about in this first segment where the Nuggets stand, and then I'm going to, in the second segment, talk about where they stand within the NBA and kind of what that, or actually it's Western Conference specific for this one, kind of where Denver is within the hierarchy of the Western Conference at this point, because I think that those things are important when discussing Denver's championship hopes. But first, let's talk about the moves that Denver made. I put this tweet out, I think yesterday, uh, Saturday afternoon, that here are the players that are out the door that Denver has not brought back. Faku Campazzo, Marcus Howard, Bryn Forbes, Monte Morris, Austin Rivers, maybe. We we don't know where Austin's going. Uh, Will Barton, Jamichael Green, and DeMarcus Cousins. It's eight guys. Players that are in the door now, Ish Smith. Colin Gillespie, Bruce Brown, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, and DeAndre Jordan. So that's only seven. Denver still has a two-way contract to fill out. Apparently, the plan is to try to identify somebody during the summer league process. My guess is it's probably going to be Adonis Arms, but you never know. Denver could be watching the rest of the summer league games and identify somebody that's playing well for another team. So I do think that the Nuggets are going to try to fill that spot with somebody that they firmly believe in. 
It's one of the reasons why I don't think they extended a qualifying offer to Marcus Howard on his two-way contract. They knew that they were going to kind of rotate those through. But as we kind of sift through what Denver got better at or got worse at than what they did this last year, I think that Denver's playmaking definitely got worse. When you look at Faku, Monte Morris, Will Barton, guys like that, these are guys that could be playmakers with the balls in, with the ball in their hands. Uh, excuse me. And it, it does sort of feel like Denver brought in more 3 and D types, guys that are going to focus more on the defensive side of the ball. Now, Ish Smith is definitely a kind of an offensive first point guard here where he's going to run an offense, maybe not that well, but he will certainly get them into things. But the rest of the guys, think about, I think the, the core four that they brought in that people should be focused on, Bruce Brown, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Christian Brown, and Peyton Watson. Now, Watson should be a good playmaker. I, I saw a clip that Duvalier Johnson, shout out Dev of DNVR, saw a clip that he put out there of uh, Peyton Watson performing well in a scrimmage, and he was making a really strong pick and roll read by kind of passing the ball to the corner on the pick and roll. That's a good sign. But when you talk about reliable playmaking that the Nuggets can go forward with, Brown does have, like Christian Brown, excuse me, does have some playmaking tendencies. Bruce Brown has been a solid passer at various points within his own tenure with the Nets and with Detroit before them. But I do think that Denver's steadiness in that regard has probably diminished. In exchange, their perimeter defense has clearly gotten better. There is no doubt in my mind. Austin Rivers, though he was a good perimeter defender, he was certainly propped up by the fact that Denver's other defenders were just so bad. Think about who was in the rotation last year for the playoffs. Actually, it is pretty interesting. The entire bench that Denver had for their playoff run last year, Bones Highland, Bryn Forbes, Austin Rivers, Jamichael Green, DeMarcus Cousins, as well as Faku Campazo, all of those guys are gone. Denver remade their entire bench, and I'm not really surprised. They brought in some players that they thought would really bolster that group. They elevated Davon Reed, who, in my opinion, probably should have – there's no probably. He should have had a full-time contract spot so that he could have played against Golden State in the playoffs. But it is interesting to think about how Denver has completely remade their bench over the course of this free agency period, this this offseason. And so we're going to see how that works. Uh, I do think that Denver's bench is probably a little bit weak in terms of the overall talent level, but they did get younger, which means that there is more potential for those guys, I think, to exceed expectations, similar to how Bones did last year. Bones could continue to leap forward and really prove that he can captain a unit. He wasn't really the captain of the bench last year, though he did have times where the bench was really looking to him, and he was delivering. He was responding. Now you're going to look at Bruce Brown kind of as the sixth man, I think, hyper-versatile sub where he can kind of step in on the starting unit in, in a lot of those units for sure, but he's also going to play a prevalent role with the bench unit, 
and probably have to be a playmaker in some of those looks. Because there's not going to be a lot of playmaking coming from Davon Reed, Jeff Green, Zeke Naji, who are the three other players that I would project to be on the second unit. I don't project DeAndre Jordan to be there. That was definitely reiterated to me as uh, this, this weekend kind of went through. So he's really not going to play, or at least that's not the initial plan. But let's look at the depth chart now. Let's look at where Denver's at. At point guard, you've got Jamal Murray, Bones Highland, Ish Smith, and Colin Gillespie as a two-way contract. That's a pretty strong group right there. Uh, definitely not the best point guard group that Denver has ever had, especially because they had Murray, Monte, and Bones as a potential unit for this past year. They had to trade Monte in order to get better on the wing. That seems pretty evident, and I do think that it was a good decision if you believe in Bones, and I do. Next on the shooting guard spot, Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, Bruce Brown, and Christian Brown. I actually typed in Brown, B-R-O-W-N, twice, which means I am a psychopath. No, it's just that's going to be a potential issue for the Nuggets and and for fans as they try to like, – I'm trying to think of uh, Chris Marlowe here. He he definitely gets a reprieve because Brown and Brown definitely sound the same and they are they're said the same. Uh, but it is going to be interesting to try to differentiate between those two when they're sharing the floor together. Uh, but it does seem like those two could share the floor. Davon Reed, I currently have penciled in as the backup small forward behind Michael Porter. But it is possible that Bruce Brown and Christian Brown end up being the backups, or Davon Reed and Christian Brown end up being the backups at times. I do think that Bruce Brown is going to be a, a consistent player on in the rotation. He's definitely that level. But there are going to be times where he steps into the second or to the starting unit which I think would directly elevate Christian Brown. And that's what the Nuggets are going to want to do. Like I said, small forward, you've got Michael Porter. You've got Davon Reed. You've also got Peyton Watson as the third string. And I do think that Denver's going to have to find some time to develop him over the course of this season. He's going to spend a lot of time in the G League. I have no doubt about that. He's going to spend some time here in Summer League where he's going to have to make an impact in summer league and really show some things. I really want to see what he can do defensively. I think there is some Davion Mitchell summer league potential with him though, where he kind of shows a whole heck of a lot as a defender and just bullies opposing players at times. That should be a lot of fun with his physicality, with his length, with the athleticism, but also just the mentality where he has clearly wanted to establish himself as an elite defender. And I love that. That's one of the things that when you talk to the Nuggets about what they liked about Peyton Watson and why Calvin Booth specifically was so excited to get a guy like Peyton Watson in the building, it was because of that desire, that mentality to be the best defender he could possibly be. And Denver could obviously use that. There is no doubt that they could use that. Now, how soon he's ready to be a factor remains to be seen. But it's nice to have a 6'8 dude on the roster that you can go to at just a, a random point where he can play the 2, play the 3, play the 4. 
but he's sort of interchangeable based off of who you have around him. That should be very fun. Power forward, you've got Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green, and Vlaco Chanchar. Vlaco, of course, right now is on the qualifying offer. He hasn't signed that yet from what I understand. I do think that they're probably negotiating for a longer-term deal. Not sure if Denver's going to give him a longer-term deal, but Vlaco is – like I've, I've definitely not given him enough credit for being a good third-string player. But when you just look at the depth chart as opposed to looking at the name, Vlaco Chanchar as your third-string power forward is not a big deal. It's It's perfectly reasonable that when Aaron Gordon plays – when Jeff Green plays, Vlaco's not going to, and that's fine. When Aaron Gordon sits, maybe start Jeff Green in his place, and then Vlaco Chanchar gets elevated to a 10 to 12 minutes in the second unit kind of role. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. And Denver should probably approach it as such. And I, I think that that's what they're doing, honestly. When I had initially made my estimations of what the Nuggets were going to be, I didn't really factor in Vlaco. But I think I might have underrated him because while Michael Porter and Aaron Gordon and Jeff Green are all about that same size, they all do have some like issues at times where Michael Porter, he may not be healthy all the time. Jeff Green is is going to be 36. Like you sort of want to have another option back there. And Aaron Gordon, is a little bit limited with his shooting. So if Vlaco, he's not going to shoot 58% from three like he did last year, but it does seem like he's he's got some potential with that jumper. So if he hits it at a reasonable rate, Denver should be pretty happy. There's also some utility there for backup center that I think we're just going to have to see what he does. And then at center, I have Nikola Jokic, then Zeke Naji, then DeAndre Jordan. Jokic is obviously like you pencil him in for about 34 minutes a night for 75 games. It was really interesting when I when I was doing that for minute projections for this roster, for this rotation. That was the easiest one to do. And it's so nice to have a reliable superstar in that regard where you know that those minutes are going to be played at that level. It's fantastic. Now we will see. How much Zeke Naji plays, we will see whether he's classified as the center or if Jeff Green is. Uh, but I do think it's going to be Zeke. I think that's what they want to do. And we're just going to have to see whether that is something that they actually do. It's one thing to say that you want something to happen. But Zeke Naji has to prove that he can handle it. I think he can. But it is a prove it kind of situation. Because... Uh, let's face it, Zeke is a little bit smaller. He's a little bit like his rebounding is probably not where it needs to be to be a backup center fully. So Denver is going to have to adjust to that. They're going to have to pair him with players that are good rebounders. And you think of a backup unit that includes Jeff Green and Zeke Naji, that's not good enough as a rebounding group. So Denver's going to have to get better on that regard. Bones is a pretty good rebounder at point guard. Bruce Brown, pretty good rebounder at shooting guard. Davon Reed, he's fine. He He's more of a complimentary player, which means he doesn't rack up a bunch of stats, but maybe that's something he can prove he can do. Vlaco is not a – like he's a fine rebounder. There's nothing special about it. It wouldn't surprise me if the initial plan going into next season 
is to try to play some sort of 10-man rotation somehow, but stagger Michael Porter so that he can help elevate what Jeff Green and Zeke Naji do on the second unit. Now, that might mean that Davon Reed's minutes get cut short. It might mean that Denver has to go a different direction with their entire rotation. But I do think that that is probably something that Denver's going to be looking for. And it's something that they're going to have to figure out with that second unit. But that second unit does have really high offensive potential. There's no doubt in my mind that Bones, when he's out there with a floor that is spaced by Jeff Green and Zeke Naji, that they can do some very impressive things. Now, I'm very curious to see whether Zeke is just going to be a pure roller at the center position or if they work in some pick and pops, because if he is a comfortable pick and pop shooter, then it sort of changes the entire geometry of the floor for a team like that. Should be interesting. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the rest of the West and see where Denver's place is in it. But first, summer is here and there's no better time to make your first bet with Superbook Sports. Along with its usual vast betting menu, Superbook already has a lineup for every pro football game this fall. Plus, when you make your first deposit on the Superbook app or sign up at Superbook.com, they will match 100% of your money up to $500. It's never too early to start thinking about football at Superbook Sports. Place your bet and start winning today. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, If you can, it'd be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Haven't had another review, I think since early June or so. It would be really nice to see another one come through. Uh, Those always help to spread the joy that is my podcast because I am absolutely amazing. Uh, No, it it just really helps. So if you can, that'd be awesome. All right, uh, let's talk about the rest of the Western Conference as it relates to the Nuggets. There were a lot of things that happened over the course of this offseason. And, I mean, probably the best to start with the Northwest Division specifically and how Denver did their own thing. They kind of remade their their supporting cast, I would say. But Minnesota is different. Like, they're, they're very, very different. I, I don't know if they're better. Last year, there were a seven seed, and they won, I think, what, 46, 47 games, something like that. I know Denver won 48. Um, It sort of feels like Minnesota's making a very interesting and unique bet where you've got the best shooting big man and you've got the best defensive big man. Let's put them together and see how this thing goes while also potentially having the opportunity to stagger and do some things with different lineup combinations that that I think would be pretty helpful for a lot of these teams. For example, like they they kept D'Angelo Russell, they kept Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels, that's probably going to be their starting lineup, along with Towns and Gobert. They can have a lot of staggered lineups where you have 
D'Angelo Russell running pick and roll with Rudy Gobert trying to get downhill. Or maybe it's Anthony Edwards with Rudy Gobert where he's trying to get downhill but then can throw the lob at times or he draws some defenders and then dishes off the pass to Gobert where he finishes for a layup or a dunk. Uh, You can also have Carl Anthony Towns kind of anchoring your second unit where he runs some good offense with a D'Angelo Russell, something like that. They don't have the best backup backcourt now, now that they kind of traded their entire backup backcourt, but they did add Kyle Anderson. I wonder if a Kyle Anderson, uh, Carl Anthony Towns pick pick and roll would be one of those things that becomes a staple for that team with their second unit. Because they've got a lot of shooting guards, not necessarily like shooting guards traditionally, but like Jalen Noel, very, very strong shooter. Uh, they have Tarian Prince. He would be pretty helpful as well in that regard. So it would be very interesting to see what they do. Am I sure that they are better? I think they're kind of better, but probably to the point where you kind of see them at 50 wins as opposed to like the 46 that they got. I just don't know what it's going to look like in the playoffs because as we've seen, Nuggets fans have, it is very difficult to build a defense with a center or in, like as a major part of it. Now try to do it with two, and you're always going to have to play them big minutes. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, Portland, they got Jeremy Grant. They're bringing back Yusuf Nurkic for like a four-year, $70 million deal. It's a pretty large amount of money for him. Uh, they have Josh Hart. They brought back Anthony Simons for a four-year, $100 million deal. It's a lot of money for him. And then you've got Damian Lillard. So that's your starting lineup there. They brought in Gary Payton II. That's a pretty good, solid piece. I don't know what the rest of their bench looks like, though. I I, I know that they've got like Nasir Little and players like that. But Trendon Watford is their backup center. I, I don't remember who else they have. They, I think the majority of the plan there is probably that they're going to go small with their second unit. I'm not sure if that's the best plan. We'll we'll just have to see, but because they are going to be staggering Dame and Anthony Simons and guys like that, it's going to be hard for them to defend, even though they got Jeremy Grant, Gary Payton, and Josh Hart. Those lineups will be pretty good, especially when they're anchored with Nurkic. But I do think that when you have Dame out there, when you have Anthony Simons, those guys are always going to be targets. So we'll see. Utah, obviously they trade Gobert. That's a pretty big deal. They are not going to be better. They are going to be way worse. Oklahoma City, they drafted Chet Holmgren. They will probably be my, like minorly better, minimally better, but only because of age, only because their young players are getting a little bit older. I don't know who's going to be the starter in their front court next to Chet Holmgren. Might be Darius Baisley. It might be Jamichael Green. It might be Derek Favors. We're just going to have to see, but it does sort of seem like they're probably going to tank again for Victor Wembanyama, and that's fine. That's perfectly reasonable. That's a perfectly solid plan of action for them, but Denver, they have to they have to win those games this year. If they don't, then they're insane. Um, Southwest, Memphis, they were about the same. They lost Kyle Anderson, but they... Drafted Jake LaRavia, David Roddy, guys like that. They retained Tyus Jones. 
they're going to be just as good as they were last year. They were probably not a great two seed in general, but they're going to win about 50 games. So that's probably good enough. That's uh, that's going to put you in the top six or so in the West. Dallas, not sure where they're going to be. This is an interesting one. This is going to put a lot of creation responsibility on Luka Doncic because they didn't really replace Jalen Brunson, at least not yet. I don't know what they're doing. Like They've still got Spencer Dinwiddie. They've still got Luka Doncic, obviously. But is a team that features those two, Reggie Bullock, Christian Wood, JaVale McGee, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, obviously he'll be a starter, uh, Maxi Kleba, is that good enough to compete in the playoffs? Like that, You got a little bit bigger. You got a rim-rolling center that might not play in the playoffs in certain circumstances. That seems like a really tough sell. So I, I think that they're a big candidate to step back, especially because there were a lot of people around the league this year, uh, this pat for this past season, they were like, I don't know how the Dallas Mavericks are doing what they're doing. Like, how are they defending this well? They are probably in need of a step back. Like, they probably will. New Orleans, though, they're going to step forward. I feel pretty comfortable about that. Getting back Zion Williamson, improving on the margins here. You get a full year of CJ McCollum. You've got Brandon Ingram. Herb Jones is fantastic. They have a great mix of star power up top where any of those top three between Zion, CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram, any of those guys can go for 20. Any of them can go for 30. But then you've got the supporting cast where Herb Jones, Larry Nance, Trey Murphy, Jose Alvarado, uh, Jonas Valanciunas, those guys are all going to be positive in their own ways. They've just got a really talented team, and there's there's talk that they could try to trade for Kevin Durant. I don't think that they're going to get there, but we're just going to have to see. San Antonio, they got worse. Uh, you trade your best player in DeJounte Murray for three first-round picks, Danilo Gallinari, and then cut Danilo Gallinari. Then you're going to get worse. I, I, they weren't that great to begin with. They were probably like a, or they a 30 win team, 28 win team, or something like that this last year. They're going to get worse. No idea who their point guard is going to be, whether it's Trey Jones, Trey Jones, whether it's, uh, uh, gosh, who else could it be? Josh Primo? Like, it just doesn't feel like they are, they're definitely tanking for Wembenyama. There's no doubt about it. Houston. They're probably just not going to be good. Like that's that's just the facts of the matter. Probably not going to be good, and that's fine. There's no reason for them to really try to be good this next year. They got Jabari Smith. They have Jalen Green. They drafted a couple of nice other rookies, Tari Eason, Ty Ty Washington. They will be good down the line, you think, but it's not going to be for a while. They still need to improve their decision-making in all likelihood. Kevin Porter Jr., probably not the guy to do that. And then you get to the Pacific Division, which is probably the best division in the in the league right now. Phoenix, still a very strong possibility they get Kevin Durant. We don't know what's happening with DeAndre Ayton yet. It does sort of feel like that is tethered to the Kevin Durant situation. But I do wonder what happens if a team like Indiana or San Antonio or some team like that found a way to give... DeAndre Ayton a max offer sheet, would that throw a wrench in the plans 
of a Phoenix trying to get Kevin Durant. I do think it would, but we're going to see whether that actually happens. I, I do think that Phoenix, they get the top spot in the West if they win 64 games and then trade for Kevin Durant on top of that to add to Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Like, it's just facts. Like, that's it's a really, really tough uh, tough to not be high on that team. Golden State, they still get the benefit of the doubt here. They are a very talented team. They just won the title. I don't know if you can hear it outside, but there are fireworks going off. I tweeted tonight, I hate fireworks. It, it's just the worst. I'll tell that story another time. But um, Golden State, they just lost Gary Payton II, Nemanja Bialica, Otto Porter Jr. They lost all three of those guys. They they recouped Dante DiVincenzo as a very solid piece that should go there and be helpful. But it does sort of feel like they're starting to rely on their young guys a little bit. And those young guys could be very good. Like, I think Moses Moody is going to be very, very good. Jonathan Kaminga, probably going to be very, very good. But they're more volatile. They're definitely less stable with what the Warriors are trying to do than those previous veterans were. So that's going to be something to watch out for. Golden State, probably going to be another very strong year, 55 wins or so. Whether they actually do that or not remains to be seen, and whether they're actually as stable in the playoffs or not remains to be seen. LA Clippers, they're going to be so much better. They have so much depth. And if Kevin, uh, not Kevin, if uh, Kawhi Leonard is healthy, Paul George is healthy, then they have probably the best depth in the NBA. Now, whether you can trust those top stars or not remains to be seen, I think. Uh, Nuggets fans can certainly attest to that, that they can be broken. They also lost Isaiah Hartenstein, which is kind of a sneaky loss for them. Hartenstein, very, very good, uh, very stable behind Zubac. Now, Zubac is good himself, but I just, I'd be a little bit worried if I were uh, Clippers fans because they're relying a lot on Nicholas Batum and Marcus Morris and guys like that to kind of take up the backup center mantle. That doesn't seem like a smart choice, though Nicholas Batum is fantastic and, and could be very good in that role. He's also older, and an injury, any slowing down, that could definitely uh, really be debilitating for a team like that if Zubac isn't great. The Lakers... It's a possibility that they get Kyrie Irving. If that does happen, it's the the most Lakers thing possible, where you you kind of vomit all over yourself and really screw up all of your major decisions on the way to getting one of the most talented big threes in the NBA with LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Kyrie Irving. If that happens, then they become actually I don't know what they become. The rest of their team still sucks. Like there's there's no doubt about it. They do not have a good supporting cast. But they could get to that point. Like Lonnie Walker, pretty talented player, obviously. Austin Reeves, somebody that they like that could develop into that more Alex Caruso-style role for them. But I don't think that they have the 3 and D talents, especially in the backcourt, in order to really make it work. Because there's going to be a lot of people that... um, There's going to be a lot of teams, excuse me, that 
really target Kyrie Irving on this on the playoff side of things. He'll be a big target defensively. And I just don't know if he can hold up. Is there a very, very strong chance that he can't? Uh, but we'll see. Now, Sacramento is the final one here. I do think that they got better. Like, it's it's hard to argue against the fact that they got better. Kevin Herter, good trade for them. He'll probably be a starter immediately. You've got Herter. You've got De'Aaron Fox. You've got um, Harrison Barnes, Keegan Murray, and DeMontis Sabonis. You've got Davion Mitchell in your backcourt. I think you've got Malik Monk to play next to him, which is pretty good. They've still got Rashawn Holmes. They've still got some other depth pieces behind those guys, but I just don't trust their top guys. They have solid players at each position. This is kind of the the Sacramento way where they actually have better talent than most would give them credit for. The problem is that they don't have that star that's really moving them in the right direction. Fox isn't quite that dude. DeMontis Sabonis isn't quite that dude. And unless either of those guys or somebody else takes that leap, it does sort of feel like they're going to be floundering in the 35 to 40 win tier this year. Like, I think that's a pretty safe bet that they go like 37 and 45. Because the West is tough. It is a really, really tough place to be. So my preliminary ranking of West teams heading into next year. Phoenix, if they get KD, they're definitely number one. Golden State, they get credit for this last year. They're number two. I put Denver at number three. I think that you can argue that the Clippers are over them. You could argue that Memphis is over them. That's kind of it. Because Denver, they could be one by the end of this thing, especially if Phoenix doesn't get Kevin Durant. Then you start to look at, okay, maybe the Nuggets are actually the best team in the West, especially if they stay healthy. But right now, Phoenix just won 64 games. I know they lost in the second round, but they got just dumped on by Luka Doncic. And Luka's probably not going to get back to that point again because they don't have Jalen Brunson anymore as their second best guy. So we'll just see how that goes. But yeah, it's Phoenix 1, Golden State 2, Denver 3, LA Clippers 4. You could argue them to be higher. Memphis 5. Minnesota six, I don't think that they're going to be a home court advantage team, which that's what you would want to be if you get a player of Rudy Gobert's caliber to sign or to be next to Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards. But those guys aren't the best fits individually with Gobert. Now, it's very creative to try to do that, as I mentioned earlier. But in practice, I just don't know if their top end is going to be as good of a fit as some of these other teams. Number seven, if the Lakers get Kyrie, I still think that they're seventh in the West, which is nuts. It'd still be a play-in team after they really tanked out of the play-in game this last year. It's possible that they could get higher than that, but I do think that we're in a year right now where seven West teams could get to 50 wins. Seven. You have Phoenix, Golden State, Denver, Clippers, Memphis, Minnesota, and the LA Lakers. If all of those teams got to 50, it would not surprise me. 
New Orleans, they might be on the verge too. Like what Zion was doing before was just spectacular, and they have a better version of Brandon Ingram now. So I wonder if they can get to that point. Like they have a better supporting cast than they've ever had, I think, in their entire history. Dallas is at nine. I have them dropping out of the playoffs, which is nuts. Like they're still in that play and mix, as is Portland. And Portland's not going to feel very good about that if they get 10th because they just traded for Jeremy Grant and they, they're supposed to feel really good about it. I just don't know if they actually should feel good about it. Like they might be a 45 win team that might still be the 10 seed, which is insane. Sacramento, 11. They feel like a very safe 11th place team because they are going to be better than any of the four teams below them, but they're still kind of in purgatory here. Utah, 12. Right now they have Donovan Mitchell and they have some veterans. It is very possible that they still blow up their team this offseason. Would not surprise me in the slightest. OKC, 13. They're elevated over the other two tanking teams in the West because OKC is just functional. And they probably have the best player of that group in Shea Gilchrist-Alexander. Then Houston, then San Antonio. The West is tough. The West is very tough. There was one brief moment last year where the East was probably the better conference. I don't think that it's true anymore. And I certainly don't think it after this last, like, uh, after this offseason. And there's still a possibility that both KD and Kyrie go to West teams. So the West is better now, and it might just be stacked if that actually happens. So I'm very curious to see what happens. I'm very curious to see where Denver finishes. If I had to guess, I would say they're probably going to be about a three seed, but they could be as low as six, could be as high as one. I think that's your probably your range there, but I do think that Denver, if they are healthy, and if you can count on Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., to each play at least like 60 games or so, then Denver's definitely a playoff team. Guaranteed. That'll do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support, as always. I will be back on Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, whenever you want to listen there. Uh, We will talk about the Summer League team. We'll talk about what we expect to see. And I will be in the midst of my move kind of over next weekend so we're gonna have to play those podcasts by ear but maybe i'll give another additional preview or maybe i'll talk with somebody about what the nuggets have done should be a lot of fun thank you so much everybody for tuning in i'll talk to you guys on wednesday